This is not just a sermon, neither is it just a teaching. You're about to hear a message from God that will empower and equip you and cause you to excel in life here on earth and in eternity in heaven. Get ready for a transformation by the Word of God through His daughter, Pastor Fumi Obilana. Praise God. Amen. Just came back from the um, redemption camp in Nigeria. I shared with the workers this morning the amazing things that God is doing. And um, I want to assure the church of God in Philadelphia that we are going to swim in glory. The last few weeks we have been talking about the church. We said that the church is strong. We said that the church is a church of faith. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the rich church that is swimming in glory. The rich church swims in glory. Genesis chapter 39, verse 2 to 6. Genesis 39, 2 to 6. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became successful in the house of his Egyptian master. Remember, Joseph was a slave. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he heard. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. I want to say to somebody in the house who is thinking of starting a business, who is thinking of being an entrepreneur, I want to say to you, Wherever you walk right now, if you are a child of God, you are a blessing in the place. Amen. You are a blessing. Amen. When I was working, I believed very strongly that God blessed the place where I was working because I was there. And I used to say in my heart, the day that I leave is the day that light leaves. So if you are working anywhere and they are treating you shabbily, they are doing that at their peril. Now I'm talking to true children of God. If you are really a child of God and you are faithful, you are truly faithful. If you walk anywhere and they don't treat you well, they are treating you badly at their peril. Because the day you live there is the day glory lives there. Amen. Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all the, that he had. From the time he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for whose sake? And if you are walking anywhere and the place is not moving forward, you need to check yourself. It's either there's something wrong with you or there's something wrong with where you are. Because if you are there and you are a child of God, 
and God puts you there. The Bible says that God blessed them for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and the field. Now, we are talking about the rich church this morning. And I, the Lord just brought this scripture to my mind. And I'm thinking, what has this got to do with church? This is in the Old Testament. Church is in the New Testament. And God said to me, he said, Joseph in the house of Pharaoh, or in the house of Potiphar, is a type of the church today. The church in the world. Joseph prospered in the house of Potiphar. The church is supposed to prosper in the world. Everything that the church does should prosper. So when they say that somebody is as poor as a church mouse or church rat, I don't know what church they are talking about. It's not living spring. It's not living, it can never be living spring. It will never be living spring. Because this is a church of the Lord Jesus Christ. This church is not gathering two or three people together so that um, one pastor will make a lot of money. This church was birthed by the Lord himself. Joseph was a slave in the house of Potiphar. The Bible says that from the time that he was put in charge, the house of Potiphar prospered for Joseph's sake. For those of you who have been in this church for a while, you will have noticed. The first place we went to, I remember a couple said, we are, if you are going to be in that place, we are not going to come because it's not a safe place. Run down in uh, Philly. At the time we were there, we first got there, of course, the place was violent and all the rest of it. If you want to buy a property in that part of town now, you will have a couple of hundreds of thousands and millions in that same neighborhood. When we moved there, the place began to develop. When we were going to buy Walnut, the people I sent, I sent them to somewhere else. I don't know where they got information that we were also looking at Walnut. They went to Walnut. And so when they came back to give me the report, like the 12 spies went out, they said to me, they said, Pastor, we also stopped in Walnut. I said, who sent you there? They said, don't buy that place. It's not good. I said, I hear you. There's a, what you see is different from where God is taking you. In those days, practically all the, hou the houses on that street in Walnut were boarded up. Today, University City is moving into the area. That whole place has changed and has developed. When we moved in there, there was an accident at that junction every other day. When we moved in there, the people came and testified that since you've been here, that, those accidents have stopped. Do you want me to talk about this campus we are in? This campus had been dead. This whole business campus of Linwood had been dead for years. For years. When I came, they took me. They said, come and buy this one. 
20-something acres. Buy that one, 20-something. Church, that is why you need to give. That is why you need to give. Because if we had had the money then, we would have bought all the acreage then. Nobody here. All the offices down there built, nobody was renting. This whole place, dead. All this land, you cannot buy anything in this area anymore. It's all been bought up. That building came, built it up. The one next door came, built it up. You cannot get land since we came. Since we came, everything has turned around and become a blessing. And they know. They know we, they are favored because of us. The church is a blessing. The church is supernatural. And you have not seen anything yet. Because it has also been said that there is glory ahead. But you know what? I have already stepped into the glory. I don't know about you. If you are with me, we have stepped into the glory already. I was watching online. The vice president of Nigeria was giving a testimony. He stood up at the campground. Number one, he had a helicopter crash. Twelve people, twelve people, twelve disciples. <laughs> the number 12 is the number of governments. There were 12 of them in the helicopter. Not a scratch. Because the kingdom of darkness is being threatened. He's the Christian in government. In a, in a country where there is systematic dealing, persecution of Christians with with probably genocide. We don't know. And I don't know what the devil thought he was going to do. He came out of the aircraft alive. And he stood on the altar and introduced himself. I am so, so, and so. Provincial pastor of province XYZ. I jumped off. He's a pastor in the redeemed Christian church of God. He's still maintaining his administrative position as a pastor. And a provincial pastor. And he's the vice president of Nigeria. The people there have not seen anything yet. The rich church. The rich church swims in glory. Provision is in extravagant measures. When God wants to bless, God does not bless in little bits. Luke 6 verse 38 for instance says that he gives good measure. Pressed down, shaking together, and running over. Extravagant measures. Psalm 23 verse 5 says, he anoints my head with oil. How does my cup run over? It, it, it overflows. God is not a miser. Ephesians 3.20 says, he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Whatever God wants to do, he does it in overflowing measures. In 1 Kings 3 verse 13, he said to Solomon, 
Because Solomon said, Solomon gave God an offering. And God said, Solomon, what should I give you? Solomon said, give me wisdom to, to look after your people. God said to Solomon, because you did not ask for honor and riches. He said, I will give you what you did not ask. I will give you what you asked and what you did not ask. God is going to give you what you thought you need and what he knows you need. What you cannot even ask. He said, I will give you what you did not request. Both riches and honor so that during all your days, no man in any kingdom will be your equal. God recognizes faithfulness and honor. Solomon honored God. God honored Solomon. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times having all. I like that. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. Let's open it. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God is a, com- a complete God. God deals with us holistically. Everything is taken care of. All grace, in all things, at all times, whether you are waking or sleeping. All that you need in every good work. Abundance overflowing provision. The rich church swims in glory. And provision is in extravagant measures. First Timothy 6 verse 18. First Timothy 6 verse 18. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Don't put your hope in wealth because it is uncertain. Put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I want you to know that God delights in our prosperity. He said, command those, warn those. Beware because you cannot outsmart God. You see, when you nickel and when people nickel and dive God, I laugh. I laugh. You see, those demon possessed people on the internet who are telling you not to give to God is because they want to destroy your life. Like the young man who came to minister to us a few weeks said, he said, You those people on the internet who are saying that don't pay your tithe, he said, they are not talking to me. They are not talking to me. They are not talking to me. The Bible says, come and taste and see that the Lord is good. I have tasted. I know the difference. There's no devil from hell. No matter how whitely clothed he looks. No matter how he presents himself as an angel of light that can convince me not to give to God. I know the difference. I know the difference. Because God satisfies me with his goodness. When I look at my life and, and how much I have. And the things I enjoy. 
It's not what I have that makes me enjoy what I enjoy. The things that God does for me, money cannot buy it. There are things that I do that when I finish doing it, I wonder, people think, oh, she has a lot of money. I laugh. I laugh. God gives us all things richly to enjoy. He provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God wants us to overflow in his goodness. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Don't let, be not deceived. Don't let anybody deceive you and shortchange you of your destiny. When you are faithful to God, it begets true riches. Whoever is faithful with very little will also be faithful with much. I'm reading Luke 16, verse 10 to 11. Luke 16, 10 to 11. Whoever is faithful with little will be faithful with much. Whoever is dishonest with little will also be dishonest with much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? Unrighteous wealth. If you, if, you have not been, if you have not been faithful in money, you nickel and dime God. If you have not been faithful to your God with your time, the time you spend on your WhatsApp, the time you spend watching useless soap operas, the time you, you spend watching nonsensical African magic, you, African magic. That's what you are watching. May God have mercy on your soul. If you have not been faithful in the unrighteous manner, who is going to entrust to you the true riches? The true riches. It's my money. It's my time. It's uh, my, it's my certificate. Uh, really? You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, so that he may com confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as he did this day. Faithfulness begets true riches. So from Luke 16, verse 10 to 11, money is not true riches. What did I say? Money is not true riches. Thieves have money. Liars have money. Murderers have money. It is not true riches. Money is an instrument to make your life comfortable. It's not something you now sit on and you count. Hey, yesterday I had 10,000. Today I have 20. Oh, tomorrow I have 1 million. True riches. If you are not faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will give you the real thing? Rich is who we are in Christ Jesus. Seated with him in heavenly places. Ephesians 2 verse 6. God raised us up with Jesus and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Ephesians 2 verse 6. Sitting in heavenly realms is true riches. That is the realm where you do not lack any good thing. 
where you are seated in Christ Jesus in heavenly places above all principality and all powers, where you rule and where you reign. Blessing beyond measure. Wealth high to the heavens. Power and authority in high places. We are the rich church. Swimming in glory. Enjoying God's provision in extravagant measures. Redeemed. The hour is for redeemed. Redeemed from poverty, sickness, and sins. Poverty, sickness, and sin was the aftermath of the sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. When Christ died, he took the punishment and returned us back to Eden. Eden is a place. It's an environment. An environment of supernatural living. Before Adam and Eve sinned, there was no sickness, there was no disease, there was no I'm too hot, there was no I'm too cold, there was no I'm hungry. They were living in perfect bliss until they sinned. When they sinned, sickness came, poverty came, sin came, disease came, lack came. But when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, he took care of all that. Psalm 103 verse 4 says, Jesus redeems our life from the pit and he crowns us with loving kindness. We are delivered from poverty, sickness, and sin. When Jesus died, he took the punishment. He returned us to Eden, a place and environment of supernatural living. Church is supernatural. I forgot to do something. Bring out your phones. Since you like, you like WhatsApp so much, bring it out. Okay? You have your phone now? Everybody, wave your phone to me. Okay, I'm going to give you an assignment. How many of you have tweets, Twitter, or Instagram? Okay. Everybody, you are going to put one tweet out for me today. Whichever one you like, as I minister. Are we ready? Okay. And then after service, I'm going to see how many tweets we have. And how many Instagram postings we have. Church is supernatural. When you come, don't expect business as usual. Expect what? Don't expect church, uh, business as usual. When you come to church, what are you supposed to expect? Expect the supernatural. We are redeemed. We are God's investment. Tell yourself I am God's investment. When God, when Jesus died for you, a price was paid to redeem you. That price is an investment. The blood of Jesus, you are an investment. You are God's, you are a seed for God. God wants a return on his investments. God wants what? How many of us are financial people in the house? 
Put up your hand. I know you are here. All right. When you make an investment, don't you expect a return on it? We are God's investment. We are produced after the seed, Jesus, that he sowed. God sowed Jesus. When Jesus died, God sowed him to us. And God expects a harvest. That is how we all came in. Whatever you achieve is a function of his grace, and we must not forget that. We must produce after the seed of Jesus. He gave us the best, and we must produce in like kind. He will not take anything less than our best. Anything less is an insult and unacceptable. We are God's investment. We on our part, we are investors by his Holy Spirit. You are God's investment, and God expects you to be investment investors in his kingdom. Our worship, our communion, our giving goes back to God. Our fellowship, our service, our giving to others also goes back to God. He expects us to give. Give, you will receive. Your gifts will return to you in full Press down, shaking together, making room for more, running over, poured into your lap. The amounts you give will determine the amount you get back. Luke 6 verse 38, we already dealt with that. We are God's investment and we on our part are investors in his kingdom. We produce after the seed of Jesus. Jesus was a seed that God threw down for us. And we are supposed to produce, like Jesus produced us, we are supposed to produce souls for the kingdom. If you are here, you are not witnessing. You are not producing after the kind of seed. You owe God to win souls. When you come to church and you come alone, God is not pleased. Amen? Amen. Church is not for believers like that. Church is supposed to, we cannot be checking salt on salt. If you put salt inside soup and you continue to put salt all the time in that same soup, will you be able to eat it? If you are not bringing people to the Lord, what we are doing is we are shaking salt on each other. That is why we are very salty. That is why we are fighting each other. That is why we are abusing each other. That is why we are tired. Because when you put, that is why we don't want to be close to each other. Salt on salt. It's a problem. When you bring people, other people in, you are putting salt on them. So you are not becoming too salty. When you cook and it's too much salt, what do you do? You add more ingredients. Isn't that what you do? Or pour more water. Add more ingredients to lessen the saltiness. Bring salt. Produce after the seed that is Jesus that produced you. So that we can become a preserver and not, and not too much salt will destroy all your organs. The sea is for crucified with Christ. We are crucified. An uncrucified Christian is an uncrownable Christian. What did I say? 
An uncrucified Christian is an uncrownable Christian. If you are not crucified, you cannot wear the crown. Crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. What does it mean to be crucified? It means if I step on your toe, you are not going to shout at me. You are not going to stomp on my toe back. You are not going to give back to me the way I gave it to you. It means that when, you, when I step on your toe and you know I did it intentionally, you will just pull back with the fear of God in your heart. Not because you cannot stomp back on my toe, but because you are crucified. Because you are, the day my father died and they brought him out, we had called the, what do you call it? The um, undertakers to come and get him. So before the undertakers um, arrived, they brought him out of his room. And they were going to, uh, the undertaker was going to um, pick him up or something. I don't know what happened. They were going to put him on the floor. I shouted. I said, what? Don't even try that. Five minutes ago, he was alive. Did you dare do such a thing? But now, he's dead. He's dead. When somebody, you can treat them anyhow, they, they, they can't produce, protest. Tell your neighbor you are crucified. With Christ. You are dead with Christ. Dead people, don't they don't protest. You cut them out, they don't answer you. No matter what you do to them, they keep quiet. Tell yourself, I am crucified with Christ. If you are still fighting people because they talk to you, you are not crucified with Christ yet. If you have an answer for everybody that says something to you, you are not crucified with Christ. How many of us are in a hurry to leave church today? I know they've told me that I spent too much time. Are you going to heaven? Or you want to quickly run and go and take your Sunday brunch? Which one do you want? Heaven or Sunday brunch? Oh, okay. So we'll be here together. My commission is to take you to heaven. So I know that time has gone. Well, I'm keeping you here because there's an eternity that you must not miss. Amen. Tell your neighbor, I am crucified with Christ. I crucified with Christ. Yet, I live Yet I live because Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live, I now live by the power of the Son of God who loved me and died for me. People who are crucified do not make trouble. If you are still a troublemaker, you are not crucified with Christ. And an uncrucified Christian is not going to heaven. An uncrucified. So if an uncrucified Christian is making trouble with you and you are responding back, the two of you are going the same place. There are some people you who talk to you, you just quietly walk away. They are not going anywhere. They are looking for recruits. 
Narrow is a path that leads to heaven. Narrow. Let somebody say narrow. narrow. Broad is the path that leads to hell. Many people go that way. The path that goes to heaven is very, very narrow. So when people are doing things and you want to join them because that's what everybody is doing. Everybody is doing it because everybody is going to hell. Everybody is going to hell. Crucified with Christ. We are products of the seed. Like him, we must be dead to self. Crucifixion for us is every day. Our self, our pride, our appetites, our ambition. Crucified with Christ. Yet I live. But I'm not the one living. It is Christ that lives in me. The rich church is full of Christians who are redeemed from the curse by Christ, crucified on the cross. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. It is written, cursed is every man who hung on a tree. If there's a curse in your life, if there's a pattern of curses in your family, remember, Cursed is every man that hangs on the tree. Jesus hung on the tree for you. Therefore, the power of the cross over your life is broken. Yeah. You, every time you see that pattern reappearing in your life, you have to take authority over it and tell the devil, crosses cannot operate in my life. Because cost is every man that hangs on the tree and Jesus hung on the tree for me. Therefore, I cannot live under a curse. The rich church is full of Christians redeemed from the curse by the Christ who was crucified. The final one is the H. Heaven bound. Full price paid. The fine has been fully paid. The sentence has been fully served. We are free from the prison of sin and damnation. Free. Tickets paid. The sentence of your sin has been served by Jesus. That is why you are not going to hell if you have given your life to Jesus. Because Jesus already went to hell for you. Do you know when Jesus died, he went to hell? The Bible says he descended into hell. He approached the devil. He took the keys of death and of hell from him. And then he ascended into heaven. Because Jesus went to hell, you don't need to go to hell anymore. You don't need to go. All you need to do is to ascend to heaven with him. Heaven bound. We have received executive pardon. You know that our president likes to give people a guilty people. Criminal people. People who should spend the rest of their days and after their, after their death they should still be in prison. He gives them executive pardon. And they are pardoned. You are laughing. You are as bad a criminal 
in God's eyes as the people that our president is pardoning. If a human being can pardon and that pardon stands, how much more the God of heaven? If you are pardoned from all your sin, washed in the blood of Jesus, your, your sins paid for, free, free, free at last, heaven bound, I want you to shout a powerful hallelujah. hallelujah. The rich church is a church that is heaven bound. The R is for what? Redeemed. The I is for what? Investments and, and investors. God's investments and we are investors in God's kingdom. The C is for what? And the H is for what? And we are the... The rich church, stand up on your feet. We are the rich The word is already working in you. We hope you were blessed by this message. For more messages and information about the church, please visit us at www.rccglivingspring.org.